and um, it takes a, it's it's about a thousand miles, right? A thousand miles from here to Texas, West Texas. Sometimes we would fly, oftentimes we would drive, right? We would drive a thousand miles. Um, when I was a kid, though, of course, I didn't have to do all the the monotonous driving, you know, sitting there for a thousand miles, and I just breathe, stare out the window, all that while my dad drove. Uh, but here's the thing: so, so we would always take the ten freeway going east, right? And I guess my little world was so small. My little view of the world was so small. Small. By the time we got to about Yukaipa. I thought we'd reached the end of the world. And then it's still a thousand miles to Texas, right? Right, yeah. So, um, you know, the thing is, it was, it was really interesting because, um, you know, we would drive the same route every summer. And I can tell you, I can still picture after many years um, every place we would go. And we would stop at Phoenix and Tucson and Arizona after, of course, going through Palm Springs and Indio. Um, I can picture all of the little like one horse towns in New Mexico. I can tell you where the best place is to find pinto beans. If anybody's interested, I'd do that. Um, all of the cheese ball, little roadside attractions that are not worth like a buck and a half. It takes to stop and watch, but you know you gotta stop. Um, the restaurants, even the rest stops. We stop at the same ones every time. But after two days of hard driving, on my dad's part, after two days of hard driving, we would take this dusty little farm road, and we would get off, and here's Grandma's house. And her big black dog, Major, who hadn't seen me in 12 months, he reckoned he knew the sound of my parents' car. The dog was so dark. He would run up and jump on me, and you know, just like, oh, here's like a kid who will play with me. And then Grandma and Grandpa come out, and we've reached our destination. Or we're so supposed to, you know? and it always felt good to arrive at the destination. Because we like getting to our destination. So, if, you know, wherever you went, I'm sure it's like, oh, I like anticipation, and, and then boom, right there, wherever there was, right? Point A to point B. Yeah? So, the, the purpose of these, these summer trips for me was to visit my grandparents, obviously. But as I think back on it, a big part of the fun was the journey itself, right? The journey, um, you know, getting to Texas, discovering all these weird little places along the way. Um, you know, one time we went to Carlsbad Caverns. Um, I went to the OK Corral and Tombstone. I teach history, by the way, so that's a big deal. Wider and all that, right? Uh, like all those, all those cool, neat, neat places. So. The journey itself, the anticipation of what's going to come at the end of it, that's what made going to Grandma's house so enjoy. We're all interested in journeys, I think, in some way. Uh, you know, and this goes beyond even just our, our own travels, um, however fun those, those might be. Um, in preparation for this, I got online and I looked up how many movies had the word journey in the title, okay? And there's over a hundred of them, right? Over a hundred movies had the word journey in the title. And um, 
I'll be honest here, I'll be very open, just like like this could be very dangerous considering like how people view this. I'm a big fan of the TV show Star Trek. Yeah, awesome. So no judgment, right? Okay, cool. I don't wear Spock ears though, so don't worry. Right? But like Trek, like like the journeys, okay? Um um you know, trips, voyages, expeditions, tracks, traveling, these are things that excite us. You know? They get us out of our chairs, they, they, they prompt us to dream of exotic locales. How to get And these days, especially the last about 20, maybe 30 years, uh, it's become popular to refer to your spiritual walk as a journey, right? No, and I'll tell you for a long time I really resisted using that term. Uh, I, I I guess I thought like okay, my spiritual walk and journey is somehow inappropriate. I thought yes, I guess I had the idea that okay, the, the the destination is what's important, right? And so if you talk about this as a journey, it implies that I haven't arrived yet. So you're so. Supposed to be converted. You're, you're supposed to be one with God. You're supposed to be a church member. You're supposed to have your act together. And so when you do that, it's like, oh my. Right? So when a person refers to his or her faith walk as a journey, I think I used to think of it as kind of a cop out. You know, it's like, it's like what that person is really saying is, well, I, just, I, I haven't quite pulled the trigger. On that whole faith thing, you know, I don't really want to commit quite yet. Like, like, but you know, I'm on my way, you know, like, like, so don't judge me, okay? But the more I thought about it over the years, the more I realized that journey is a great metaphor for faith. What you and I are doing right now, the journey is a great metaphor for our faith. Right? There, there, there are all kinds of journeys mentioned in, in Scripture. you got Abraham's journey from Ur to Canaan. you got the children of Israel's trek from Egypt to Canaan. you got Paul's missionary travels I've just started to read about um, currently. And even though the Bible doesn't really specifically refer to our faith as a journey, we pull out some biblical principles that do show us how we walk with God on faith. Like to a journey, all right? Biblical principles. I've got 27 of them. I'm kidding. No, only five. Only five. Don't worry. Don't worry. I'm a teacher. I tend to be long winded. I'll try to keep this short because no one's saying that at 12 o'clock, right? Yeah, that's a joke, right? So, first of all, my friends, first of all, first of all, the journey focuses on the process of getting to your destination. And I'm sorry I don't have a PowerPoint for you. I do apologize for that. Hopefully you can follow along. Um, so the process of getting where we're going, not necessarily on the destinations. Right? So when it comes to our, our faith as Christians, what's the end goal? What's the end goal of our journey? Eternal life. Even before that, yes, but even before that. It's to be like Jesus, isn't it? Right? To be like Jesus. And then, because that's first, man, eternal life, right? So here's the thing. So after we we discover who Jesus is, and after we, we seek to know him, 
Um, you know, again, that's our destination to be conformed to his image, isn't it? Of course, it says that in Romans 8, 8 29. Um, and in 2 Corinthians 3 18, Paul reminds us that, that we are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from, from the Lord. Now, okay, English majors. I won't ask for a show of hands, all right, but English majors. I really appreciated your, your, your story about teaching English in, in China. That was great. All right. So when, when Paul is saying we are being transformed into God's image with ever increasing glory, what tense is that verse in? Present or technically, I'm not an English major, but technically present progressive, but you're very close. Present progressive, right? And of course, present progressive implies what? The action's ongoing. It's still going on. It hasn't ended, right? So the action hasn't been completed, and the destination has not been arrived at. Paul acknowledges this. Huh? And so, our, and I mean, if it's good enough for Paul, I guess it ought to be good enough for us, right? So our faith, then, is a process. It's a process. We know the destination. We know the end result. We know the place we want to get to, to be like Jesus. This side of heaven, though, it's not quite going to be realized. But as long as we're walking with our Savior, as long as we're walking with Jesus, as long as we're traveling with him, as long as we're learning from then, like a journey, we're making progress toward that destination, aren't we? Yeah. And, you know, I, I make it um, a habit to read through the entire Bible cover to cover each year. I've been doing this ever since the year 2001. I'm just one year. Um, so right now I'm reading the Gospels for the 20th time, the 21st time. And, you know, I noticed this time around that I hadn't really noticed before. Um, Jesus doesn't do a whole lot of sitting still. Yeah, you shouldn't do a whole lot of sitting still. Um, he's always moving. He's always walking. He's always ahead somewhere else. He's going somewhere. And it, it's really interesting. Um, a lot of the time, the gospel writers record important events that happen along the way to his destination. On the way to Jericho, on the way to Jerusalem, on the way to wherever. Yeah? Jesus meets with officials. He heals people. He chats with his disciples. Um, he calls one guy, a little short guy like me, out of a tree. Right? I identify with Zacchaeus. That's what we're doing. Um, in some cases, the destination, whether it's Jericho or Samaria or whatever, the destination in the story seems to be secondary to what happens along the way. And so it's this along-the-way aspect of our faith where we learn who Jesus is, where we learn how to follow him, who we're supposed to be, uh, what our individual place is in his kingdom. And, you know, I, I, I love being here with all of you this morning because I'm used to my church. I've been there for 33 years, and I know all the people there. Like, they're good, I guess. But I love being here with another part of God's family. This, this right here, right now, is part of my church with all of you. Yeah, so thank you again. 
for the opportunity to be with all of you. So, you know, we we learn to, together that, you know, when we mess up, maybe we deviate, get off the path a little bit. What do we do? We get up and we keep moving. Right? When, we, when we look at faith as a journey, we're emphasizing progress and not necessarily perfection, which can really hang us up, right? Okay, so first of all, process, right? Process. Second, and related to that, um, is that a journey implies changes, transitions, challenges, adventure. Of course, adventure has an echo just like that. Indiana Jones has to be Now, those of you who've been traveling anywhere, um, you know that things don't always quite go how you plan them, right? You can plan all you want, got you know, like all of the, the, the train schedules, airline schedules all down perfectly, but there's going to be a wrinkle in there somewhere, probably, right? Uh, you miss a plane, you make a wrong turn, you eat the wrong thing, you get sick, or like my wife and I, a few weeks ago, we were in Europe, nobody had the masks on, so we took a risk. For the first time in two and a half years, four days into our trip, we got COVID. Right? So, you know, like, here's the thing, like, things don't always go the way you want. Sometimes the road is straight, there's no traffic. Sometimes it takes you five hours to go five miles. And if you live in SoCal, you know what I'm talking about. Sometimes the weather's perfect. Sometimes when you want to travel through the Swiss Alps, there's a thunderstorm, which is why a few weeks ago we didn't get to do that. Right? Um, essentially, journeys are rarely straightforward. The same thing goes for our faith walk. Yeah. Our faith walk can also involve loads of changes and challenges and ups and downs. I'll give you a couple of examples, right? In Luke 10, Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers. Now we tend to, to think of, okay, Jesus has 12 guys he's hanging out with. Jesus has a lot more followers, a lot more people he's training than he's hanging out with. In this particular story, Luke 10, Jesus sends out 72 of his followers to spread the gospel, work miracles, he empowers them to heal the sick. But he tells them up front, things might not go totally hunky-dory for them. Okay? He says, so, so, so beware, guys. Like, things, things might not go quite so easy for you, right? Just FYI. Sometime later, it's not real clear. The 72 of these guys come back and they're so excited. They're like, they're, they're, they're totally like, like stoked, right? And it says in Luke 10, 10 17, these 72 guys come to, to Jesus and they say, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Like, wow, you're successful, right? It was awesome. It was like having faith in you was totally cool. That's my translation, by the way. Right. Good, that's there, right? But another story. A man comes to some of Jesus' followers and he begs them to heal his son, right? His, his son is possessed by a demon. 
demon is like, you know, he's just doing crazy stuff to this kid. You can read about this in Mark 9. Mark 9. And Jesus, you know, you probably know the story. Jesus has just come down off the Mount of Transfiguration, right? It's a high point in his earthly life. And this father, this very concerned dad, like I'm sure some of you guys are, you gentlemen are, right, tells Jesus, hey, so I asked your disciples, who apparently have been like endowed with your power, I asked them to drive out the spirit, Mark 9, 18, but they couldn't. So what gives? Right? What gives? We have two contrasting episodes in the faith walk of some of Jesus' followers, right? Jesus has given them the same instructions, the same dose of his power, but with vastly different results. Let him close. Setbacks happen, right? Setbacks happen. So the same guys who can cast out demons in one instance, another time just standing around, staring at the peach, shrugging their shoulder, right? So something must have happened between those two events, right? Maybe this particular disciple was having a bad day. Maybe he just didn't feel worthy of taking hold of God's power to heal this boy. I don't really know. I'm going to ask God about this someday. Like, how come? Why didn't it work, right? But what we do know is that these disciples didn't just throw up their hands, give up and walk away from Jesus because they faced a challenge because they did a setback. So if you miss a plane, what do you do? You get on the next one, right? Wait for another one, right? And if you fail on something Jesus tells you to do, do what he says the next time around. Or as the song says, pick yourself up, dust yourself off. Yeah, you don't want to start all over again. So, journey, process, right? Um, uh, setbacks. Journeys can involve the mundane. The mundane. Travel can be adventuresome, absolutely. You try foods you've never eaten before. You stumble across a place that's off the beaten path. You meet really interesting people. But journeys can also be, let's be honest, boring. Right? Boring. Yeah. You're standing in line at the airport for a TSA screening. You're groaning inside as you know what I'm talking about. You're pumping gas in a tiny one-horse town off the freeway. You're staring at mile after endless mile of desert or prairie on the way to Grandma's house. But let's be honest, journeys are not always full of high adventure, are they? No? I heard it said, and you might have to, I heard it said that, that the most exciting thing you can possibly do in this lifetime is to become a Christian. Right? Anybody heard this? You do, okay, all right. So, like, once you do, your life will never be the same. It'll be just one unending adventure after another. Because walking with Jesus, you're like all the way to heaven with great big giant exclamation points. And I won't disagree, but there is a measure of adventure in our walk with Jesus. But if that's what we're expecting day in and day out, you're going to be disappointed. Sorry to spoil it for you. 
right? Um, but you know, just like a trip or or even in certain aspects of marriage, um, the life of faith involves a lot of common, routine, and mundane moments, right? And that's okay. That's okay. That's real life. That's how it works. Um, one time I, I read a story about a woman who was complaining to a friend. She said, you know what? Like, I'm not feeling very spiritually vital, and I don't know what's going on. I pray, I get up early every day, do my devotions, I read my Bible every day, but I'm just not feeling it. What's wrong with me? And we'll ask for a show of hands how many of us have felt that way, <laughs> right? But her friend had a very strange response. She said, okay, um, did you eat last month? What? No, did you eat last month? Yes, of course I ate last month. She was that. Okay. Did you did you have like what did you have for dinner four Thursdays ago? I know what are you talking about? Okay, but but you had dinner four Thursdays ago, right? Yes, of course I did. Like, what's the point? Like, like answer my question. And the lady said, Okay, here's the deal. That meal, even though you don't remember it, nourished you. It got you to where you are right now talking to me, didn't it? Right? So maybe you were reading scripture last week. You don't remember what read. You don't feel like it did anything for you. Here's the deal. That moment with God nourished you to where you are right now. Right? Yeah. It may feel mundane. You may not feel this great vitality. But here's the thing. Every moment with Jesus. No, let me change that. No moment with Jesus is waste. Right? No moment. So, the mundane helps get us where we're going and, and, and really should not have downplayed us on it. Right? So just if any of you are feeling at that point right now, I encourage you, don't worry. Don't let it get you down. Because God is nourishing at this very moment, right? And tomorrow and Monday. And this week until you come back here. Right? Fourth, right. How are we doing? Awesome. Fourth. Many human journeys involve travel companions. Travel companions. Buddies. All right. Captain Kirk had a spa. And if you don't get that reference, shame on you. Right. Travel companions. Back to the story of Jesus sending out 72 of his disciples to spread the gospel. Um, it's interesting to note that Jesus knew the spiritual value of having a companion. Well, the journey of faith. Because he sent these people out in pairs. Right? He sent everyone, all of these 72 out in pairs. Now, I haven't done a whole lot of traveling on my own, a little bit, but not a lot. Uh, but I found out that when I'm able to share my experiences with somebody else, it makes the trip a lot more interesting, both at the moment and later. Alright? Um, my wife, my lovely wife, my gorgeous wife, who makes me look good. God's own truth. God's own truth. Um, she lives to travel. She loves traveling. And so we've traveled a lot over our 18 years of marriage. And it's it's really interesting. We still talk about some of the trips we did 10, 12, 15 years ago. Hey, remember that that, that, that cool little cafe that we just kind of stumbled onto in Lisbon? Right? Remember meeting that guy in Dublin, right? And so, like, 
you would think, okay, I know the story, I know the story, but so what? But that's what makes recounting those words so much harder to recollect where we were, which got us to where we are now. Okay? Traveling companions, right? Sometimes, you know, like, travel can be difficult on our own, um, but a whole lot easier when you're with a companion. You can hold the door open for you while you're managing all of your luggage. Um, if you're in a foreign country, maybe your companion speaks the language and you don't, that, that helps smooth things out. Um, or you can read the street signs while you're trying to drive. Um, granted, there could be conflict if you're traveling with someone, because okay, we're human beings, we have a tendency to clash, don't we? Uh, but having a companion enhances the journey, doesn't it? It enhances it. But here's the thing, you know, I want you to just, just real quick, I want you to think about the companions you have had on your faith journey. It could be pastors you were associated with. And if you went to church school, maybe your Bible teacher, maybe your Sabbath school teacher, uh, maybe your spouse, maybe friends at work, I don't know. Like, like who has walked the road of faith with you and encouraged you? Picture that for me, right? Picture those people. Who have you shared the scenery with? I mean, I, I, I can think of several people um, without whom I wouldn't be here today. And I don't mean that metaphorically, I mean that very, very literally. Um, people who guided me in my walk with God. Uh, my parents, of course, they laid the foundation of them, taking me to church every week. Um, sending me to church schools. I think about the pastors I've had, and I can still remember some of the stories um, this one pastor told 30 years ago. Right? Had that deep an impression on me. Um, I've got a Catholic friend at work whose conversations I've had um, have helped me articulate my own faith better. Right? So all of these people, right? They, they like dozens of them. Um, they've walked alongside me, guided me. Encourage me, challenge me a little bit. My journey has been better for it. We need companions on our travels. You don't want to be a lone ranger. Hey, even the lone ranger had taught him. Right? He's got a companion. Fifth thing, my friends. Fifth thing. This is probably the hardest one for me on this metaphor of faith journey. We need to lighten our load. We need to lighten our load. And I'll tell you, I, I have an unremitting fear of being stranded somewhere without something to read. Again, I talk to my wife afterwards, she'll tell you. Um, again, I'm a teacher. I love to read. I've always loved to read. And I have just seriously this 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 terror, like it is literally a phobia of being caught somewhere without something to read. Um, so when we were actually still dating, Sylvia, my wife, um, wanted to take me to her brother in Puerto Rico. Right? So we were going, and we were going to be there for seven days. So okay, really cool. So I I, I packed up my suitcase, packed packed up a, a, a carry on, and in my carry on, I kid you not, I brought. <laughs> 12 books for a seven day trip. In the best of circumstances, I can, yeah. 
In the best of circumstances, I cannot read 12 books in a week, like much less on vacation in paradise. <laughs> okay, <let's see. laughs> so, in the last 19 years since then, um, I've learned I don't need that much weight in my bag. Like, that's crazy. I can use that space for better purposes. So, when you travel, you begin to realize that uh, you need to learn to pack smart or travel light. Okay? Probably don't need, <clears throat> excuse me, you don't need 10 changes of outfits. Probably don't need six pairs of shoes, three shots, <laughs> or 12 pairs. Because in many ways, simplicity, taking along only what's necessary, is key to having a good trip. Right? And simplicity is also a very helpful practice when walking with Jesus through life. And this can be in regards to material possessions. I mean, we Americans, we have a tendency to have too much stuff, right? Like, do we really need as much stuff as we have? Uh, it can refer to something else that we might be holding on to, like a death grip, like attitudes, right? And how many of us? need to let go of our anger, our bitterness, our complaining. How many of us need to be less critical or judgmental? Um, the more that we hold on to unchristlike attitudes, the more of those things are going to weigh us down. And the less able we will be to continue our journey of faith. We need to let it go. And I know it's hard. Again, this is harder for me sometimes. We need to let it go. We need to let go of the selfishness, the pride, the sin, whatever it is that, that, that holds us back from being like Jesus. Like my, my brother read a few minutes ago, um, Paul puts it in Philippians 3. He's talking about his own journey. Right? But Paul says, again, I want to know. Like, Paul's a smart guy. He starts out as a Pharisee, like the smartest of us. These are people with like three PhDs, all right? That's Paul. Like, I want to know stuff. Here's what Paul says. No, no, no. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead, eternal life. I don't mean to say I've already achieved these things or that I've already reached perfection. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. No, dear brothers and sisters, I've not achieved it. I haven't reached my destination. <laughs> Focus on this one, one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead, I press on to reach the end of the race, reach my destination, and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Right? Simplicity. I focus on one thing. Because Paul could focus on a lot of things. Again, he's a smart guy. He's like building the church by single-handed, right? But I focus on one thing. Forget the past. Leave aside the junk that's held you back. Right? And if you're a Charles Dickens fan, you read A Christmas Carol, right? Jacob Marley, he's tied down by 
Anybody? A whole bunch of chains, right? Jacob Marley held down by chains. Like, like, drop the chains, you know? Look forward to what lies ahead. Drop your burden, step forward. You gotta lighten your load. You forget to put ahead. Right? So, are you with me on this? Amen. Yeah. <laughs> Do you agree that journey is a good metaphor for faith? Yes. There's a thing. All right. I just heard y'all say yes. But I'm gonna like it's it's one thing to be edified. I'm gonna challenge you. Okay? Because journeys again are not always simple. I'm gonna challenge you. Okay? It's easy to just sit here and nod and say, yeah, and journey, it's 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 a process. People are important. I get that, sure. And then go home and forget everything I just said. Because we're human, we do this, right? I understand that. <laughs> I want to challenge you to something today. I'll tell you something I challenged myself to several years ago. Uh, a few years ago, uh, the kids at our, our church got up about this time of year, as I recall. I didn't August, I'm not sure. Um, and they showed the congregation what they'd done for a vacation Bible school. Right? Hey, look, here are the songs we sang, here are the crafts we made. Um, the whole service was, I mean, like, they're kids, they're adorable, it was great. And it was interesting, it was sweet, you know, to hear them sing about Jesus and hear stories of faith, you know, on the little videos they showed. But maybe stop and think this one day. Right? I wonder if our kids at my church. Like for really young ones, although it's like younger ones that are taller than I am, it's not saying much. I wonder if they really know what they're singing. Like, do they really understand what they're singing about, or are they just kind of mouthing words? You know, do they really understand what they're singing when they are singing about justification and sanctification and all that stuff? Like, like, like those those hymns, beautiful hymns, by the way, that we sang earlier. Do they? Get it. And then, of course, I thought about myself when I was like five, six years old. Did I understand Of course not, right? Like, I don't think I knew what Christianity was all about when I was five, ten years old. I mean, how can you, really? You know, you're a child. What do you expect? But that's part of the journey, isn't it? Right? That's part of the journey. It's a process. So that day, that Sabbath, after church, um, I went home and I did something that I've been meaning to do for years. Because that day, after church, I went home, ate lunch, I sat down at my computer and I started writing what I call a spiritual autobiography. Right? That's just a fancy schmancy way of saying my faith journey. I just sat down and started writing. Right? Um, about four hours, I ended up writing 17 pages. Typing 17 pages. Uh, the next week, I was inspired. Uh, next week, I wrote seven more pages. And I went back and, and I, I thought about all the churches I've attended, the pastors I've had, what I was taught as a child, uh, the evolution of my faith, how I lost my faith when I was in college, how I regained it. I, I, I chronicled my whole conversion experience. Uh, when I was 26 years old, um, I wrote down what I believe right now. Um, if you were to ask me my theology, like, like what do you believe about Jesus Christ? It's there, right? 
Um, I stopped for a while because I got busy, continued on it a few weeks later, got busy. Um, but after several months, I completed my spiritual autobiography. It's 57 pages long. <laughs> it's rather lengthy, but I'm Irish and like we use a lot of words. Okay, so it's 57 pages long. Um, but I tell you, I challenge each and every one of you, even, even you kids, as young as you might be, all right? My challenge to you today, maybe your, your homework now that the school year is starting, I want you to think about where you are spiritually right now, today, September 10, 2022. All right? How did you get here? What do you believe? Why do you believe? And if you have kids, what are you teaching your kids? And if somebody were to ask you your story, right, the story of your journey of faith, what would you tell them? Right? And you, you have no idea how interesting um, an exercise it was for me to just sit down and just think about my own journey, right? Um, like, I, I remembered stuff I hadn't thought of literally in decades. Um, like, little details that, oh, wow, like, that's why I believe. Like, that's how that happened. That's how all that worked out, you know? Um, and it was a really clarifying experience for me, right? To be able to put down into words, this is what I, Brian Plummer, believe, right? It's, 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 it's too easy to just simply say, yeah, I'm a Christian, sure. I'm, I'm a Seventh-day Adventist, right? But not really know what exactly that means, right? Unless you put it into words. Because unless you and I together as brothers and sisters in the faith, unless we can articulate our faith, a lot of it's going to be really hazy, nebulous, you know? So where are you? In your dream today. Well, I challenge you. And I know challenge sounds kind of scary, but like, don't let it be. Okay? Oh, I challenge you. Take some time. This afternoon, while it's fresh, <laughs> to write your own spiritual autobiography. It doesn't have to be literature. It doesn't have to be Shakespeare. It doesn't have to be 57 pages either, by the way. It can be in bullet point format. That's okay. All right, um, but I want you to really think about and articulate what you believe. What has gotten you to this point in your spiritual journey? And you might be surprised what you learn. You might be surprised what God teaches you. Right? Because ultimately, you know, Jesus journeyed from heaven to earth to live and die for us. He was raised from the dead. He journeyed back to heaven. He's waiting for us to join him there. And in the meantime, though, in the here and now, Jesus asks us, Jesus commands us to follow him, to journey with him, everything we do, whatever time he gives us on this earth. Right, so Jesus works in us through his Holy Spirit, so we can grow to his image. That one thing, right, like Paul said, to grow into his image on the journey so we can reach journeys. So who wants to go on a tree? Yeah. <laughs> Great. Thank you.
you know, you're so good to us. Um, you've blessed us with, with your presence through the Holy Spirit. And we thank you so much um, for the heroes of faith who have taught us who you are and shown us who you are. And they've shown us through their own journeys how to become one with you. So we thank you so much. We have that opportunity. We have that freedom. And I pray that you will guide each and every person here as they seek you, as they, as they follow after you and chase after you. Bless each of these brothers and sisters here, God, as we go our way. Uh, we pray that you will be lifted up. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.